and welcome back to the Riverdale Recap Podcast. Today we will be talking about the 21st episode of Riverdale Season 3, The Dark Secret of Harvest House. I'm Mary Kwiatkowski and I am joined, as always, by Kirsten McKinnis. Kirsten, how's it going? Uh, I wish I could say good, but the hour of television I just watched truly felt more like a fever dream than anything we've ever watched on Riverdale. <laughs> I'm confused. At the end of the season, I want to go back and listen to all of these opening statements by you and see how many times you mention it being a fever dream because I think we're leaning on more than half at this point. Okay, but the thing is, describe a show that more often than not feels like a fever dream. Like, this is truly insane. And you know what? I'm not going to bury the lead here. I thought that the farm was the Gargoyle King this whole time. And I guess they kind of are. But how the hell were we supposed to suspect that the main bad is the guy who's been dead since before the series started? How? How are you supposed to predict that? We saw a body. Yeah, I mean, good good horror film or mystery writing usually involves the audience being able to theoretically figure out who the bad guy is. It's not... <laughs> It's not good writing to just be like, surprise, it's this person you've never met. Or surprise, it's this person who's been dead. But like we said for the last couple episodes, if we never saw a head separate from a body and we never saw the grave and the person being buried, because I don't think we ever saw Jason Blossom being buried ourselves. I don't think we saw that. But I've got some theories. Look, I've got some theories about how this is happening and what's going on and we'll get to it. Yeah, I mean, but just I'm annoyed. That's all. I, I wanted to start <laughs> off with that. Fair enough. You can you can definitely be annoyed. Yeah, this episode I thought was, I liked it better actually than the last one. I really thought I was going to like the prom one the most, but I think the fight stuff with Archie in that one I liked less, uh, even though there was still fighting in this one. I liked it slightly more because it was wrapped up a little bit quicker. So I guess we'll see if if that holds up for the finale. The other thing too is like the fighting stuff in this episode felt like it had actual stakes unlike last week where it was like why does he care so much? Like what's the point, you right. know? So I feel like that's part of it. I agree. So let's dive in, shall we? And let's start off with something that it's been it's been long forgotten and it's been so far away for the last several episodes. But oh my gosh, we got a Jughead voiceover. What? Who saw that coming? Blindside. I know. I didn't even I didn't even write in the section of my notes about the Jughead voiceover because I just assumed it wasn't going to happen and I didn't want to get my hopes up. But we're back. We, we're here and it's happening and it's real. It, so it's real. <laughs> it's real. So Jughead opens this episode saying it was the deadliest prom night since Carrie's. Now, do we think that he's mentioning like the, the prom in the book Carrie or do you think he's mentioning like the prom scene at Riverdale when they did the play of Carrie and somebody died? Oh, I I really hope he means the book and movie. Let's hope to, because uh, only one person died then, and a lot more people died on this night. So yeah. yeah, I mean, we didn't we didn't get a body count. We didn't get any kind of answer for why those people died or who they were or what. But we saw at least what three or four dead bodies last episode. Yeah, and so here's the thing: when we had the Black Hood in the past, he wasn't just killing people for no reason. He was like had a very clear mo of like when I'm murdering people, it's because I perceive them to be immoral or whatever in some way. Right. He's never been a spree killer. Like, it just doesn't fit with who the Black Hood is. I guess maybe well, he was just 
on murder withdrawals and needed to like get his fix but i don't know let's think about it one kid was in the shower shower's probably immoral i mean why are you taking a shower prom i mean why are you showering naked that's so immoral i know so there's that another kid was lying dead in the newspaper office writing it's probably more original thought immoral yeah there was a headless person in the broom closet we know what happens in broom closets well we do if you read any kind of fan fiction why do you anyways has anyone ever actually hooked up in a broom closet a lot of harry potter fan fiction yeah yeah but okay that's not i said actually i don't know Did what schools actually have broom closets under the stairs nowhere yeah so i don't know anyways okay well whatever maybe they were all immoral yeah so anyway riverdale high has been overrun by the black hood my girlfriend's dad i jumped back into the jughead voiceover just so we know <laughs> that he's not my girlfriend what and the and the gargoyle king true identity yet to be determined we needed answers starting with dot 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 and uh the starting with why did Hal kill those particular kids no that's not what they're looking at what he's actually looking at is how did Hal fake his own death uh but we'll get to that later because we're going to start with Archie and Hiram and Veronica who I care less about so we'll leave a little suspense there yeah how did Hal fake his own death I'm sure none of you know I'm sure not I'm sure not but but we'll discuss it later in the podcast (laughs) because that's how our format works we gotta get Archie out of the way we do not go in chronological order (laughs) no so Hermione and Hiram are fighting uh because one once you get a divorce it's all fighting all the time right amicable divorces could never be Hiram and Hermione right oh actually sorry they didn't get a divorce they got their marriage annulled so yeah an amicable (laughs) annulment no so Hiram wants to buy Riverdale which like should come as zero surprise to anybody because that's just what he's been slowly doing yeah but no he he bought all of the property and land and now he wants to own the actual town itself and apparently it's totally fine with the governor yeah I don't know why the governor is just like that's fine uh whatever and also Hiram's like look it this this town there's there's killings and and uh there's drugs and crime and it's unsafe so I need to wipe it out by buying it up and privatizing it now here's the thing we all know everybody in this room talking Hiram and Hermione and Veronica they all know that Hiram was the one who created most of this drugs and crime and stuff so this is not an excuse for his argument yeah I this has just always been his plan, I guess, to own Riverdale, the town. And like, again, why? Why Riverdale? Why does he want it? Like, is it worth a lot? It's the town with Pep. I don't think it. there is a lot of Pep. <laughs> well, it was the town with Pep. <laughs> like, does he want to, like, make Riverdale peppy again? I don't know. Make Riverdale peppy again. Make some t-shirts. Whatever. So Veronica tells Mary, who's sticking around, I guess, and Archie about the whole Pops deed situation and how she's never actually owned the speakeasy or Pops. And she's upset about it and they're just kind of like oh well let's get someone to help out yeah my my friend from sarah florence another friend all of mary andrew's friends are from sarah florence i hope veronica has stopped paying all the bills for pops and and things I mean, was she ever paying them like was she ever actually struggling financially or was hiram like setting it all up to trick her into being like know. indebted to him i don't know i would i would totally buy that it's like she actually pops is doing fine and he just tells her that they're they need money yeah like Hiram's like siphoning off money to make it seem like it's not as good like photoshopping fake bills I don't know and yeah so then they're talking to Archie's mom because remember she is a lawyer so 
that means that she knows everything about the law because lawyers don't specialize or anything like that. So they're like, wait, if Hiram owns all these businesses, can he be held responsible for all of the illegal action that has happened there? And then it's like, light bulb moment. We're going to stop Hiram. Save Riverdale. Cool. Like, oh, okay, great. It's that easy. Uh, Yeah. And and Archie's just like, yeah, Veronica, your dad sucks. And true words were never I liked that. That was the best moment of the episode. That was really great. Really great moment. So Agent Ardelia? Ardelia? I don't know. I don't know. Just reminding me of Agent Adams getting flashbacks. So Agent A. Agent A. Right. She's there. She works for the FBI. And she's saying, okay, yeah, look, we get it. Hiram's bad dude. We've been trying to catch him because somebody in this world, thank you, government, is a little bit creeped out by the fact that Hiram, like, got put in jail for, you know, illegal stuff and then just popped out after less than a year of being there. So I'm glad that somebody was looking into this issue, but they're apparently just have been waiting to catch him red-handed and uh, all of the past crimes don't really count. They need to see him doing it in real time. I just, I don't buy this. I'm sorry. Like, the government does not care about embezzlement and still, like, they don't care. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure someone cares, but but at least in this world, they care enough to want to get him. Veronica has a plan, and I really thought the, this episode was going to be that she was going to have this plan, Hiram was going to see through the plan, but no, Hiram just kind of, like, falls right into her trap the whole time. Hiram's in the steam room, and Veronica has sent Archie in to basically confront Hiram in front of his business friends or whatever, and say, like, I'm gonna kick your ass, and you've gone soft. I bet I could beat you in a fight. And then Hiram stands up, and it's not that, uh, intimidating because he's like a head shorter than Archie but he's like yeah we're gonna fight he says nothing about me is soft gross yeah let's not say that in a steam room where we're all half naked please okay (laughs) moving on Veronica tells Hiram she's like oh my gosh I don't think you can win this fight why are you doing this people want to make bets at the speakeasy against you and I don't want to take them of course because that's illegal and he's like wait wait no um this is a perfectly fine plan let's let's take these bets we could win some money I don't know why she wasn't just like wearing a at this point and using this as further evidence that he agreed to all this. Maybe know, she whatever, was and we just matter. didn't see that yet. Yeah, I really thought at this point that he was going to suss her out and somehow she was going to end up behind bars. Like he was going to plant the actual real deed with her name on it, like back in the back in the speakeasy and then she was going to get caught. Nope, didn't happen. So instead, uh, she just hires Reggie back to help her out, take down her dad. I don't really know what she needed Reggie for. I don't know. They do crimes together. Okay, so he's back. Cool. And uh, Molly's like, <laughs> this is my second favorite line of the night amazingly my two favorite lines did come from the archie plot line archie calling out veronica on how much her dad sucks my second favorite one was molly saying archie you're doing it tonight whatever you and veronica have planned and i just thought it sounded really dirty like how funny you just fully call her molly instead of mary molly ringwald i think deserves her real name to be addressed here. And it's not because you find it confusing to call someone by your name. No, it's not that. But Molly, who has been not happy with Archie's uh, punchaholism, has decided that, you know what? I want to watch you take down Hiram. So it's fine. You can get beat up. We're okay with it. You're not of age or anything. Yeah, you know what? Boys are going to be boys and they're going to get into bare knuckle brawls with their ex-girlfriend's dads. Yep. And despite the fact that most other bo- boxing matches we've seen recently, even the like semi-questionably legally ones, have had like very strict measures in terms of like weight 
weight class and stuff. Nope, they don't care. Archie and Hiram are definitely not in the same weight class, but we're gonna just accept it and move on. So let's get to the fight. Peaches is back. I love how Peaches just like works for the speakeasy now permanently, like even though Tony is no longer there to boss her around. Pops in and out. I'm cool with it. I love her. I want to know more about her. You know, hope we get a subplot in season four. I don't care to know more about her. Mostly what I want to know about her is I want Tony and Cheryl to rejoin the serpents and then I want Peaches to like continue running the girl gang. Imagine leaving a super cool girl gang to be in like a crappy boy gang. But it's like that's the thing. I don't want there to be a girl gang and a boy gang. I want the serpents to be back how the serpents were. It's on my checklist. I need the serpents to have adults and females. Okay so just for everyone listening to this audio only podcast Mary just picked up a post-it note with like the smallest writing in the world and she has like a 10 point checklist i look so far we need sheriff keller to get a job i do not believe that his little hobby of helping be a boxing coach counts why is he okay with kevin just living at the farm yeah you know what we have a lot of questions about sheriff keller so i could just put him on my sticky note as need to know what's up with sheriff keller the serpents need adults and women that is on my sticky note uh bring back old alice inform bughead of phallus which i guess doesn't matter right now because phallus is over but whatever and then i want coos or moving to come back but i'm feeling like this is less and less likely now that fangs is in the picture yeah what is kevin and fangs what are we gonna call them kangs Kevin. Kevin. Neither of those are good. Vote in the comments if Wait, uh, Faven? Fangs or what? Faven? 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 I guess I'm I'm Faven. They're my Faven. Yeah. Hmm, okay. I don't know. Guess we're going with Faven. I don't know. N- nothing is down. good here. Yeah, but I'm gonna forget it if I don't write it down. Oh my Hold goodness. Faven. We're going S A V I N. Yeah. Okay. That's uh that's on the cool, list. Well, it's y'all. canon now. It's canon. Um. Okay. okay. Anyway, so back to this fight. Still thinking that Veronica's gonna somehow get in trouble, but we don't get that. So thank you for wrapping up these plot lines, Riverdale. That's nice. Okay. Veronica starts singing because we can't have a fight scene without someone singing. In the background yeah but what'd you think of this song i thought it was great i thought she did I really well i hadn't heard this song before is that how old is this song i don't, I know. don't know but it was good it was a beyonce song i mean she's no beyonce but she did well it's called daddy lessons so seems like a song veronica would sing so moving on so the fight starts Archie does get a couple of hits in and then I looked down for a second and when I looked up Archie was like oh so that's how we're gonna do this and then he took his gloves off so Hiram took his gloves off so then it became a bare knuckle brawl which I I don't know like the thing is is Archie should have never been okay with this fight because a we know Archie is not that good of a boxer like he has issues and then if you think back to when Hiram was like trying to help him with wrestling that means he probably really knows how Archie approaches a fight right so the thing is I don't think that Archie was ever trying to win that fight I don't think that he could win I think that he was just trying to distract Hiram and keep him fighting long enough to get a lot more bets in and make it a lot more illegal and get caught by the cops but yeah that he he took off his gloves and because Hiram had like grabbed his arm basically and was holding his arm and punching him in the stomach so preventing Archie from like fighting back and Archie was like hey ref what's up and then then Archie realized that it wasn't going to be a fair fight which I whatever yeah Hiram like headbutts RG and stuff. It's not great, but people are people are calling in, calling in more bets. They want to police bets on Hiram for killing Archie because Archie is like really not doing well at this point. His uh his mouth guard like flies yeah, out with gets, a bunch of blood. He gets it was really punched gross. and like in a I guess if he wasn't wearing a mouth guard, his teeth would have flown out. So well, I guess that's fine. But like I feel like a, the point of a mouth guard is it's not supposed to come out if you get hit in the face. So maybe he got like a bad one or he didn't like form it to his mouth. I don't know what. 
whatever. It was a little cartoony. It was gross. It was was disgusting. And then the minute Veronica hears people want odds on Archie getting killed, she runs over to the El Royale, which I'm pretty sure is on the south side. So like it would have taken her a little while to get there, but whatever. She apparently gets there instantly. Yeah. Well, the FBI had shown up at the speakeasy and they were like, oh, hey, who owns this place? And she's like, actually, they walk up to Veronica and they say, do you own this establishment? Like, like that would be the person you would assume that the singer was. And even if she did, what, she could just lie and leave, right? And be on the lam? So anyway, she's like, she's like, no, my father does. I mean, she's talking to Ardelia or whatever her name is. So we know that she already knows this person. But she's like, no, my father is fighting in an illegal underground boxing tournament and just taking bets here at the, the El Royale. And so he goes over to the El Royale or they go over to the El Royale and they catch Hiram and he's locked up. And and it's that creepy moment of when FP is arresting him, which I, I feel like if he's getting arrested based on an FBI investigation, he would have been arrested by them, but whatever. And he's like, for what? And then Veronica is like, oh, hey, I'm going to tell you the charges right now. Like, stop it. Just stop it. Just read him his Miranda rights and move on. Not only that, but like she tells him the charges and then he says, you betrayed me? Like, okay, well, you just admitted to that. So that wasn't even, you didn't even try right there. But yeah, he's locked up and uh, Veronica goes and talks to him in the jail cell and she says, I did it for myself because I was really angry because you didn't let me know that I didn't really own Pops and whatever. So his assets are being up for auction. Uh, Does that include the prison that we never saw nothing of? Yeah, I think it does include the prison. Does it include everything? Veronica owns too or no? I don't is she know. Gonna end Hopefully up getting... Pop can like buy Pops back Yeah, or like is she going to get a business back? Is she going to have a home? Also, does this mean like the speakeasy is not going to exist anymore or is it just going to go back to being a legal speakeasy? I hope it just stops existing. I would like a new hangout place for season four, please. Molly Ringwald is like, hey, Archie, you and Veronica, your end game. You should go talk to her about that. And he's there just a little bit too late, though, because he, he goes to talk to Veronica and, and hey, Reggie's there. Veggie is back. And all is Veggie right is in happening. the world. I'm okay with it. I don't love the fact that she's like oh Archie stay we can all celebrate I'm like girl start off your relationship with Reggie on a good foot don't like immediately make him see that you still have feelings for Archie I just I hope Archie like skips town again now (sighs) I would love for him to be like goodbye and I also thought it was really weird how Mary Andrews is like I think you and Veronica are endgame no I've had enough see I was already confused right there of you calling her Mary because that's her name whatever you've got problems so uh we teased this earlier but yeah Jughead and FP they're talking with Dr. Kirtle because they Junior, sorry, Dr. Curdle Jr. Dr. Curdle Jr., a.k.a. Creepy More Guy 2.0. So as I said last week, this was some Peter Pettigrew stuff, and uh, he cut off his own hand. And you know what? If Dr. Curdle Jr. was such a good uh, doctor, he probably would have noticed it was a self-inflicted wound in the first place. Like, isn't he such a weirdo that he would be looking into that anyways? Like, what the hell? Like, why? Um, nope, guess not. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well. Jughead is hunting down the stuff about the Black Hood and the Gargoyle King from prom. He's still trying to follow up on this. That's good, I guess. He finds Louis, the centaur that we talked about from last episode. And Louis's like, yeah, some little kid gave me this letter and told me to give it to a whole bunch of people to give it to Betty. Mm -hmm. I don't know why he had to pass it to like 18 people before he could go to Betty. I don't know why he couldn't just give it to Betty himself. Especially since all of these people were just so willing to say where they got it from. So it didn't really save him any time when Jughead started looking for him. Yeah, not really. Ricky is the 
little kid, we assume, mm-hmm. Ricky DeSantos. And Jughead talks with Jellybean because she know he knows that Jellybean's friends with Ricky. And he's like, yeah, you know, he's working with the king and putting lives at stake. And so she's like, oh, well, he's trying to ascend in Fox Forest right now. First time someone trying to ascend during the daytime, I think. Uh, but, yeah, but I, th- so. I assume this was all just like a plot to get Jughead to the woods. Maybe. I don't know. At this point, do you think Jelly be- Jellybean actually believes Jellybean. that like, <laughs> whatever, Jellybean <laughs> actually believes that the Gargoyle King is like real? Because I, I assume that she's heard at this point that like a bunch of people like got killed at prom. And yeah, but that was is, the like, black problem. Hood. Yeah, but he was there too. I don't know. I just, I feel like she doesn't take this seriously enough. Like she doesn't understand. Well, yeah, that's true. But so she tells him where Ricky is. Uh, Jughead goes to the forest. He finds Ricky and he just like kicks the goblets over. That part was kind of fun. Yeah, it just like takes everything down. And then in a true Lord of the Flies fashion, all of the like Boy Scouts come out with spears and stuff. Yeah. And uh, Ricky's like, protect the princess and go kill Jughead. Yeah. And they all run at him. And honestly, like the minute we saw all these kids, I was like, oh, is the fat kid going to die? Like to really make this Lord of the Flies? Like R.A.P. There wasn't really, was there really like a fat kid? I wasn't really looking. Yeah. I just saw them and assumed there was one that would die. Oh, no, no piggy, I don't think. But but Jughead managed to get to the, the bunker just in time, which I feel like everybody should know about at this point, and he led them right to it, so I guess they know. I don't know. And Ethel's inside. Oh my gosh. Princess Been a while. Ethelene. Do you know the last time we saw Ethel? Um, I think when they escaped from Sisters of Quiet Mercy. Yeah, it's been a while. So, and then she weirdly quotes Star Wars and says, help me, Jughead Jones, you're my only hope. That was a little weird. I'm not really sure why that happened. I hated all but, of it. Yeah, so he's there. None of this really makes sense because she's like, oh, I'm afraid of the Gargoyle King because I failed my mission because I think it was her mission to give the letter to the guy who gave it to the guy who gave it to the girl who gave it to the guy who gave it to Betty. But I thought we figured out that Ricky did this. So I guess she's in charge of Ricky. Is Ricky one of the Lost Boys? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Apparently she did believe that the Gargoyle King at the Sisters of Quiet Her Mercy was a false fake one. A false prophet. Right. But she did then meet up with the real Gargoyle King again and she says that he's beautiful and that even though he's trying to kill her she's still in love with him I just I don't care like this whole season has just felt like why are you trying to make us care about this we don't care about this also it's like they make it Jughead's like but the little kids they were just trying to kill you and she's like no I'm protecting them I, like I don't think the little kids were trying to kill her I think they I were think trying, they were trying to, to protect her and kill Jughead yeah yeah so it doesn't make any sense whatever also has she been at school I obviously not okay so uh whatever and uh they they go out and then Ethel's just like oh it's fine Jughead's nice he's my friend and so they're like okay cool but one of the little kids Jack the youngest one he left his knife in the bus the school bus that Kurtz was living in yeah the creepy bus they go back and they have like really ominous music when Jack like pops up out of the seat but then it's like oh never mind Jack's fine and they they grab Jack but oh no Black Hood's coming yeah cool and it was so stupid because they like get he's on the bus they run out the back and lock it and then they're like oh oh my god he's going to the unlocked front doors yeah of course he is well like will you think he's just so stupid that he's just gonna stand there at the back door like run away like why are you trying to trap him in the bus just run run away to be fair like i have a couple issues with this i mean number one i don't really know why the black hood is like incapable of walking fast he's like just slow-mo walking through the bus he easily could have hurt them why does the black hood no longer have a gun could have killed them why is the black hood trying to kill these little kids thought he was working with the gargoyle king i don't know uh why are they trying to capture him and not like figure out who he is like they were just trying to trap him in a bus so they could get away I thought the whole point was they're trying to figure out who he is and well I mean I guess they know that it's Hal but like trying to turn him in instead they just like let him live I don't know whatever it's fine I I, I just don't understand it just didn't make 
any sense to me. Plus, I got really irritated with the fact that we did the, like, hook on the car, nails on a chalkboard noise over and over. Yeah. Less of like, that, please. Thank you for becoming a full-on cliche. Yep, but Jughead and Ethel, uh, they talk to FP, and FP's like, hey, we're gonna have the Lost Boys chill with a deputy until the Gargoyle King and the Black Hood are caught. Okay, but like, so, so guess- these kids literally don't have parents? Is that the... I, I have no clue. Like, where did no- they come where from? Where did their like, parents go? Since when are there just, like, 60 orphans? No, literally no idea. I don't know what happened. I, so... Yeah, like, I feel like we needed more information. We have no information ever. So, Ethel says that the Hellcaster deserves a reward for his bravery, and she tells him who the king is, and she tells him that the king is Jason Blossom. Huh. Yeah, this makes sense. Right. Yeah, um... Like, I can't... Okay. Like, the whole point of this show was to find out who killed Jason Blossom, and now they're telling us that he has been alive the whole time, and I don't like it, because how were we supposed to predict this? And, like, what's his association with the Midnight Club? Does he have any? No. Uh, yeah, okay. We're coming back to that. Let's let's talk about Betty and the farm, and then we'll get back to the Jason Blossom stuff. Ugh. So, Betty's chilling at the farm. I like the fact that she's wearing a, like, farm t-shirt, though. It's pretty farm cute, to be cool. honest. Yeah. I would wear do one. Do they sell those? I don't know. I bet they do. I would wear one. I would. Uh, yeah, I would, too. I like them. I like the little collar, or the, the little people. different color collar. Yeah, it's cute. So, Betty's walking by. She sees some kind of machine in Evelyn's room that she's hooked up to, and she's like, I'll get back that in about 30 more minutes of the TV yep. show. So, we'll come back to that later. And then she has a meeting with Alice and Edgar and Polly. Okay, so in this meeting, they say that Betty fell off her bike when she was younger and she got a concussion. And when she was in the hospital, the doctors found out that she had the MAOA and CDH13 genes, which are the serial killer genes. Now, have you heard about this before? No, I've never heard of this. And also, when you have a concussion, I don't think they check your genes. Like, well, why was there a geneticist, like, involved? I I don't know. I I did a little bit of research, and it seems like those genes basically, like, cause aggression, sort of, but it's very complicated and scientific and I am not an expert and I did like a tiny little bit of research. So somebody else let me know if this is like a legit thing or if this is Riverdale kind of like pulling pulling little strings to make something make sense. But they do say like these are commonly known as the serial killer genes. But I don't think it's like, oh, we looked at all serial killers and they happen to have these genes. I think it's more of like this causes a predisposition to violence. One thing I did see is that it seems like mostly this is pretty much exclusively happens in men. And so I don't know how they explain that away for Betty. But they said they checked Polly and Alice and even how, and none of them had these particular genes. Now, I just think at this point, I almost immediately think none of this is true. Yeah. I don't I don't think I don't think any of this is true. I think that that uh, Edgar has just like convinced Polly and Alice that this whole situation happened. And I don't think any of it actually happened at all. Yeah, I, I don't believe it's real. It doesn't make it literally any sense. And like based on how all of this went, I would assume that Edgar gave them this memory when he was hypnotizing Polly and Alice. Plus, Betty has been, like, pretty much one of the least violent people on the show. Yeah, she is not violent. She's not aggressive. Like, that's the thing, too, where they talk about, like, dark Betty and, like, having this other side to her. I feel like they keep telling us it's a thing, but they haven't shown it to be a thing except for, like, in season one when they torture what's-his-nuts with the maple syrup. Yeah, I think, quote-unquote, dark Betty is a combination of two things. I think it is a sexual fantasy of Betty's, which is, like, completely separate, and at least that's what they were trying to get us to believe for the first like one and a half seasons so I feel like that may be a thing but I think mostly a lot of it is like she's had to deal with a lot of weird trauma in her life her dad was a serial killer her mom slash creepy brother who wasn't a brother killed somebody in her house and she 
had to help bury the body and her yeah the the black hood like torturing her and calling her like pretty much everything that happened to her in season two that's when we got like a big shift into the whole dark betty stuff and it was mostly just her freaking out because all the people around her are acting crazy yep. and she's trying to make sure she's not also like that like she is going through like ptsd constantly this is not the same thing yeah anyway. it, no a hundred percent so edgar pulls betty aside and wants to help heal her of this and he wants her to start talking about her fears and she basically says you know i have a fear of uh i have always feared that there's another person inside of me a person capable of dark and terrible things and i don't know how to get rid of her and so i'm going to assume let me piece together basically what i am assuming is happening in this moment because mm-hmm. he lights some sort of incense incense so i'm assuming that the incense somehow like knocks her out or whatever and then he's like oh cool great idea i'm gonna go get polly to dress up and look like betty and then we're gonna put her in a room or put a little like smoke i in don't there. even it's think they needed that i think that he would have been able to just like make her have a vision like with drugs and hypnotism like i don't think that there was actually <sighs> another person i i do i think that polly was definitely like dressed up in his and on this because when we see her later well we'll get to it but basically betty has like a vision and she sees the quote-unquote dark betty who's taunting her and talking about creepy things that betty did in her past like how she drowned her cat and betty's like no my cat ran away caramel or whatever and then she's like oh remember when we pushed polly down the stairs betty's like what no that didn't happen and then she gets like pain in her forehead and then she wakes up and she's back in the room with edgar now then she is she she calls she calls jughead and sort of gives him a little bit of this information it's hard to tell exactly how much she tells him but she's kind of like oh you know go figure out more stuff about the black hood and meanwhile i'm going to put some candle wax in my ears and i i don't really know what this has to do with anything but she's she basically comes up with the idea to block her ear passages a little bit to sort of drown out i guess some of the hypnosis Mm -hmm. but she's still able to hear edgar when she goes to her second session yeah so i don't really think that this has to do with anything but anyway but we'll get to that in a second betty goes and is eating with fangs and kevin and cheryl and tony also just want to pause here for a second the farm looks great like they have really remodeled this whole area looks amazing honestly like i could hang out hang out there for a little while yeah it seems like a cool place like definitely way better than the sisters of quiet mercy ever looked kind of got like white carpets everywhere and some nice furniture and it's very bright and beautiful in there but yeah so she's eating with her friends and fangs is like oh i'm in pain and but my big pain is gone now but i got some pain in my side and betty's like oh what's wrong and cheryl says that edgar his method involve in involves transforming emotional pain into physical pain so it's easier to treat and banish and they're all just like oh betty of course this is a thing blah 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 like okay do you even hear what you're saying no they don't hear what they're saying it's the most ridiculous thing i'm going to put you in physical pain how are you transforming your what your emotional pain is just gone because he told you it's gone yeah and then i don't know so then she like pulls up kevin's shirt to see the situation he has this massive scar and betty freaks out and kevin freaks out yeah it's like they can't have it both ways though kevin is freaking out because betty like caught the scar and you were acting like this is normal so like why do you care about you you would think that since they're all like oh silly betty of course i have a giant scar of course they had to do some surgery like that's what i expected from them but instead he kind of freaks out and run away he's like don't look at it like you invaded me or whatever i don't know yeah i don't know and then like tony's all like i'm so excited to go next and my physical pain is or my emotional pain since when does tony have emotional pain i mean she was abandoned she had a lot of trauma about the serpents i guess whatever so then polly has a brief scene where she's talking with betty because yeah polly's back for whatever reason doesn't care that one of her kids is gone but whatever so polly's talking with betty she's like oh my gosh i totally forgave your darker half for pushing me down the stairs years before this is why i think that polly's in on this i think polly and edgar are closely working together either because polly's crazy or because she's brainwashed 
Lester wants to become Edgar's wife. Who knows? But I think that like all of this is just lies. And so she actually has come up with Edgar, decided like this, there's this event that happened in their past that didn't happen. And I think she is legitimately dressing up like Betty because when Betty does the second session, she looks at, at uh, the dark her who's sort of standing across the room from her and it's Polly. It's just Polly in a ponytail with her clothes on. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think that. I thought it was all just in her mind. And then I thought that maybe Edgar was like hypnotizing Polly to believe that the same things happened too and like implanting false memories. But like maybe, I don't know. I guess the reason why I did is because we actually saw him lead Betty into another room, sit her down in the chair. And whereas the first time it looked like she had just sort of like flashed into a different room. Like I think there's more time happening in all of this, but it doesn't really matter. We may never actually get any answers. I don't really know how the wax helped, but I guess it helped her to stay a little more clear in all of this. So uh, Betty calls another meeting with her friends to tell them that Edgar is hypnotizing them. And I don't know why she even bothered with this. Telling the truth isn't going to work if they're already brainwashed. They Well, and also like Cheryl makes a very good point that like hypnotherapy is like an established thing that people pay a lot of money for. So like if they think Edgar is truly helping them with their trauma, they wouldn't see the hypnotherapy as like a bad thing. Yeah, I think I don't know how they're getting past the like hypnotherapy is like the hypnotherapy. I get that. But like the and then we're going to have emotional or internal physical pain that we need to like remove via surgery. That's the part where you're losing me. Kind of sad that Cheryl's like right back under his spell again because she was like more woke last episode. Yeah, it's just tough. Yeah. Uh, So Betty's like, well, what if he's just making us think we have pain and then I'm going to like take the pain away. And Cheryl's like, you're crazy. Whatever. So Betty goes and talks with Evelyn, figures out what this machine is is about. And uh, Evelyn says that she was really sick as a kid. And so her kidneys aren't great and she's hooked up to dialysis. Um, like, okay. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. This was clearly put here so that Betty could be like, oh my gosh, she has a kidney transplant. Oh my gosh, Kevin's scar. It's like right where your kidney is. Maybe like she's taking out the organs to give to Evelyn. But like, I think it's an actual organ farm that he's making money from. I think the fact that Evelyn also needs organs is like a a side thing for plot convenience. Like, I think they would still be doing the same thing even if Evelyn was fine. The other thing too that I can't get over with all of these like transplants or whatever is according to every medical drama I have ever watched which like I know that they probably aren't 100% accurate I'm not a scientist but I was under the impression that you had to get like an organ on ice to the person it's going into like pretty fast whereas this kind of indicated that they're just like keeping a whole bunch in the freezer and it's totally fine and I feel like that's not totally fine and that the science isn't right I'm not a biologist I could be wrong I'm not a doctor could be wrong but it just feels like this doesn't work yeah because isn't it a thing where like yeah like it just doesn't make sense well I don't know maybe maybe we're gonna find out that like Edgar met Evelyn a long time ago and he loved her or maybe she's also his daughter Hartel mm. and they like he wanted to save her so he started this cult to get an organ for her because her organs were hard to match or something but then he was like hey well I have all these other organs I'll just sell them for a lot of money who knows um, whatever Betty goes to the freezer and she finds all the organs and they all say the farm hard this program on them which like I mean they even have logoed containers how is how is this a thing that has logoed containers and yet they you can't find it on a quick google search yeah because it's illegal well they don't make logo yeah i I don't know why they did that either it doesn't make any damn sense so and it's not even like a different business it's like literally has the farm logo on it whatever so yeah so then betty tells cheryl and cheryl's like oh my gosh (laughs) we're they're not organ donors of course not but like they definitely are and so then cheryl sees the organ and freaks out and then all of a sudden believes her again i don't know i'm like sick and tired of this happening this keeps happening with like ethel and cheryl like four or five times now and tony where it's like someone is like really deep under a spell and then is just like sees one thing and is like oh jk i'm woke now Ugh, 
it's frustrating, but whatever. I guess just seeing the organ was enough. Um, but I, I guess it's more that Cheryl is like worried for Tony's sake, and that kind of brought her back. Yeah, and but like, is she fully back or no? Like, I don't know. I don't know. She was back enough to save Tony. Yeah, so she goes to save Tony from the surgery. She ha- does some fighting to beat up the nurses in there, which is like, okay, cool, whatever. They are running away. They get to where they're gonna leave, and they're locked in. Tony climbs out the window to run away, and Cheryl like does the the martyr thing of locking herself in so that Tony has a chance to get away. She's fighting with people in the stairwell. I feel like they could have both jumped out the window and run away. Like those guys didn't look big enough to fit through the window. Like they could have yeah, they could have definitely, definitely both made a run, but I guess they wanted like the dramatic moment of Cheryl like defending Tony's honor. I guess. Betty does the annoying Betty thing where she thinks she can save everyone all the time and goes to Kevin and Fangs who don't care at all. No, and they're way more brainwashed and they like start dragging her across the room and then she like beats them up a little bit by kicking them in the nuts, but then that like didn't work. Yeah. Meanwhile, while this is happening, Betty had also gotten a call from Jughead saying like, by the way, Jason is the Gargoyle King. And I just love Betty's reaction because it's the same thing that I felt at that point in the episode, which was kind of like, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Like, oh, I buy it. Okay, <laughs> okay. fine. Sure. Sounds good. She's like, yeah, just go dig up his grave, you know. Yeah, just normal, normal everyday, activities. Normal stuff. You know, Riverdale is a town with pep, okay? Yep. So uh, Jughead goes off and does that. And then Edgar uh, is, uh, Betty wakes up from being, I don't know, tackled or whatever. And Edgar is about to do a procedure on Betty, which like, you know, I'd be a little bit worried if I were him because Betty does have people on the outside, like she mentions, FP and Jughead and stuff. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but I feel like I I think he's not going to get to do the surgery because I assume that what he has planned is like a lobotomy or something on Betty because after her first session, the physical pain she felt was in her head. So I assume it's something along those lines where he's going to try to like make it so she can't fight him anymore. Yeah, Yeah, I definitely don't think he's doing like a kidney organ removal surgery. I think he's doing something very Yeah, different. so I don't think he's going to get to do it because at the end of season three, when the show has been renewed for another season, they can't make Betty brain dead and you can't come back from a lobotomy. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen, but I, I think that he's going to either do something that kind of makes her a little weird for a little while, but not a lobotomy, or he's going to get stopped in the middle of trying to do it. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say. I, I definitely think whatever he's going to do, he will have produced the paperwork to show that she claimed that it was fine or whatever. He a doctor? Is he allowed to do it? Like, I still don't, I don't think it's uh, fine. No, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I would be a little worried if I were him. I don't know why he just seems like I've got you, kid. I'm in my own little world. Uh, I don't know. I mean, even now that Hiram has been arrested, like, people are not invinci- invincible. But yeah, it's tricky. We'll see how it is. Uh, on the other end of town, Jughead has dug up Jason's grave and uh, yeah, Jason's not there. Yeah, empty. Yep. So, so cool. J- Jason's alive. Well, I don't necessarily think Jason's alive. So I have a couple theories on that. We got a couple questions about the whole Jason situation. Gregory McBean said, what's your best theory for how Jason is alive? He said, Jason being alive explains how Cheryl sees him, but how is Alice seeing Charles, etc. Yeah, I I don't think he's actually alive. I I don't think he's alive. Like, I feel like we would have seen him this episode if he was. I think the fact that he's not, that his his grave is empty is because somebody, whether it be Edgar or whoever, wants people to believe that he's alive. I think there are a lot of different ideas here. He could be a secret another twin. All right, let's say Jason had a twin brother growing up. Look, this would not be the first secret blossom twin. Well, okay, they could be triplets or they could have just been twins. But then at some point they wanted a girl. So they got a girl, Cheryl, from the Sisters of Quiet Mercy or something. Cheryl's not actually related. Could be lots of different things, right? Uh, Jason's twin brother, still alive, off somewhere. Somebody finds him, brings him here. Yeah. Is So it's not it's not real Jason Blossom. Could be that they somehow are doing, like, because, because of the fact that when Betty was talking to Evelyn and saying like, oh, you guys are taking organ 
friends and Evelyn was all, you don't even know the half of what we're doing here. And then Edgar kind of said the same thing when he was talking to Betty. Maybe they are like cloning people. Oh, I could Just definitely see possible. them doing it, but ugh. I think maybe the harvesting the organs has something to do with cloning people. Maybe they're also like the robotic slash clone. I don't know. I think there's a lot of different things. Maybe they're, maybe they're taking bodies and somehow replacing bits of them. I mean, who knows? There's all kinds of stuff they could be doing here to make all of this happen. Uh, I think a similar situation could be how Alice is seeing Charles. I think it also really helps the fact that Alice hasn't ever seen Charles. So literally anybody could be quote unquote Charles at this point. They had like what one picture on file from the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. So I don't think the whole Charles situation is that difficult. I think I still believe what my theory was with like Polly just like literally dressing up like Betty and that was tricking her. So I think that that's what's going on. Uh, Olivia on Twitter also said that they can't wait to see how we uh, they can't wait to see what we think about the developments of Riverdale, especially the farm stuff. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know that I thought this was going to really be the connection with the farm. I, I didn't I didn't see the organ donor situation happening. No, I never would have seen this coming. But I do think that this sort of fits in with some of the how are people who are dead being seen kind of theory. I also think it really helps in terms of the fact that I was like confused of how Edgar was making money off of the farm, but this makes sense. So yeah. I'm glad that there was a lucrative element. Yeah, but like, again, I just, the science doesn't make sense to me. And I just like, maybe I'm wrong because I'm a stupid poli sci person, but it just, ugh, I hate it. Well, again, it depends what they're doing. If they're selling the organs to other people or if they're selling the organs for, you know, scientists to look at, like we don't, we don't exactly know what they're doing with the organs. So I think that's part of it. Um, Gregory McBean also asked a couple of other questions. He asked, are we satisfied with Hiram's arrest? And how many episodes do we think he'll stay locked up for? His over under is at 4.5. Okay, so that would put him as... Like third or fourth episode. As third or fourth episode of of next season. season. I think it'll be over, but not by much. Well, we were so off with the Archie stuff because I thought he was only going to be in jail for like two episodes, but I think it'll be under. I'm still going to go with under. I think by episode three of season four, I think he's going to be either out or semi out if he's on probation or something. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just think he's got so much power here. Um, uh, Briefing Coot on Twitter said, can my question for the podcast be, do you think Alice is going to stop Edgar from operating and that is how Alice will become unbrainwashed? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think Alice is not going to become unbrainwashed for a little while longer, unfortunately. I wish. I wish this was true so, so badly. I cannot describe to you how much I wish that this was a true thing, but I just don't think it is. Yeah. Yeah, I think Alice is, uh, I think she's going to be brainwashed for a while. I think that most likely her unbrainwashing is going to happen through a combination of FP and uh, Betty finally getting to her, showing her some sort of proof about how um, Charles yeah. is dead or something. Not sure. We'll, we'll get to it. Or maybe Charles will be alive. I actually think it's possible Charles can be alive. I, I just don't care. Why do we still care about him? Because we haven't had enough creepy brother stuff. I just want Alice to be happy. I want Alice to just be happy with FP. Yeah. And then Alice can move back into her own home and they'll just live there and it's fine. It's creepy and gross that it's like the children dating and the parents dating, but like the kids started dating first and the parents dated a long time ago. So like, whatever, it's fine. Yeah. Ugh. I'm okay. 
I'm okay with the dating people stuff. Uh, didn't love Molly Ringwald getting involved with Archie's dating situation. I but yeah, I just go home to Chicago, Mary, Ar- Mary, R- R- what's her last name? A- Andrews? Mary Andrews? Mary Andrews. I was Mary about to Riverdale. say Arnold. <laughs> oh, I don't yeah. know why. Oh my gosh. Yeah. All right. So the title of this episode, uh, The Dark Secret of Harvest House, is a little bit of a play on a 1978 miniseries called The Dark Secret of Harvest Home, which is about a young couple who moved to a quiet New England village only to soon find themselves mixed up in mysterious rituals. So I like how they turned the whole harvest thing into like harvesting organs. That was kind of interesting. I It was gross and I didn't like it, but like, okay, cool. Now, do you think that the Gargoyle King stuff is still connected to the farm? Yeah. I mean, the fact that we assume Jason is involved somehow, I think is a good finger in that direction. Yeah, I, I definitely still think that they're involved with the Gargoyle. For sure. So I don't know what the theory there is. Maybe, maybe the long con is that the Gargoyle King gets kids sort of brainwashed in a different way and then he's going to get the kids traumatized to where they want to join the farm and the kids join the farm and then they take their organs. I don't know. It's somehow together. What do you think the connection with the Black Hood is with that? They both love murdering people. Sure. Fair. <laughs> I don't know. It's maybe they have folia de, you know, the uh, the shared madness between two people. Yeah, that's definitely possible. <laughs> hey, I've seen it on Criminal Minds before. Oh, I'm okay with it. I, I do think they will all be connected. I think at this point... But we're not going to get I'm answers sure. next week. No, and I'm not sure how Hiram is connected to all of it, which is just making me think that we may live in a world where season four still includes the Gargoyle King oh, and the farm. I hate that so much. I mean, just looking at the showtime, like, unless next episode is two hours long, I don't know how we're wrapping all this stuff up. I don't know. Oh, I hate it so much. I do too. Uh, so we got another review this week, which was great. Cat Rising says, full dark, five stars. I really appreciate that title. Finally, a Riverdale podcast that skips over what I'm not into, Archie slowly developing CTE from his punchaholism. <laughs> to cover what I really see. How Veronica is ruining Riverdale's economy by depriving the River Daddies of jobs, Jason Blossom's age, Jughead fanfiction, recommendations, etc. <laughs> I really appreciate that review. It hits on all of the things that I think are most important about Riverdale uh, while ignoring Archie. So yeah, high five on that Thank one. you. That was great. We love you. And I don't know if this is the same cat or not, but another cat uh, reached out to us on Twitter saying how they they found our show through Robin Akiva Nita podcast and they binge watched all of Riverdale in like a weekend. So I don't know how they did that. And they are also down to be our Monica Posh in the off season. Ooh. And let me tell you, deep cut there. I forgot about Monica Posh. That is how long season three has been. And you know what? That makes me feel like they're a good candidate for it. That's so ex- like I'm a I'm both proud of you and disturbed by you binging Riverdale that fast. And like, I hope you're OK. Uh, and thank you. That's great. And if anyone else wants our undying love and affection they need to give us a five-star review on itunes to get that yeah although i mean coming up with a better title than all dark five stars is gonna be difficult well they need to try we did not really have any new close but no cigars this week we mentioned sarah lawrence again so thank you for that but nothing else besides that uh last week we gave jelly bean jelly bean last week we gave jelly bean the most normal person of the week who do you think it is this week gonna be tricky Uh, this is is anyone normal i mean maybe fp he kind of just like did his job yeah he arrested someone tried to solve yeah the the murder yeah okay i'm fine with fp i'm gonna go fp or peaches peaches wasn't there We're, we can't just just because someone is like a minor character we can't give it to them i mean like we mm-hmm. could give it to reggie again because he's like a very normal person who is blinded by love <laughs> 
Uh, it's true. Uh, I don't know. I just love Reggie so much. I don't think Reggie did it enough. I think we have to give it to FP again. But Peaches did enough. <laughs> you nerd. You know, my love for Peaches and Yeah, cream it has to be FP. Is, there's is no other right. There's yeah. no other option. Good job, FP. You made an arrest. You're looking into some crimes. Yeah. You're doing more than anyone else in this town. He's the most gamefully employed dad. He is. So, gonna give it to him. Okay, everyone. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you for joining us. We will be back next week for our recap of episode 22, the finale of season three. Until then, you can follow me online at Frail Mary on every platform. And if you're interested, you can also check out any of the other podcasting Kirsten and I do. We have been doing some stuff on Robin. Rob has a podcast, but uh, Big Brother Canada 7 is wrapping up. So we won't be back for a little while until Big Brother 21. Probably. Yes, but I was actually just on the RHAP BNB this week talking about Survivor. Ooh. We played some games. Games. Uh, spoiler alert, I'm really good at them. And yeah, it was it was a really fun time. I got to talk about a lot of stuff that I feel like hasn't really been discussed with the season of Survivor. So if you're into that, definitely check it out. But other than that, yeah, it's going to be a, a little break before we're podcasting about reality TV again. Yeah. Um, I was also just on an episode of the Rob Has a Podcast Bachelorette preview. So if anyone's watching the Bachelorette season that is starting this week, you can listen to my preview of all the guys. Even if you're not, like there's a lot of enjoyment out of hearing Amy and Haley talk about The Bachelor and Bachelorette and Mary fit right in with them. So good job. It was great. It's a good time. Until next time, talk to you later. Goodbye. Peaches is back. What? Blindside.